Okay, so if I take you back to a young a young person, um, how would you occupy your time out of school? Um, I better tell you a story then. Okay. I my schooling was in the Grove here in Dorchester, then to Colton Street School, for where I failed my eleven plus examination. Wasn't worried about that because they played football with a point at each end. I went to the Dorchester Secondary Modern School and got into trouble on day one. There was a boy about five nine in his third year at school and he was going to put a youngster head in the sink full of water. What did I do? I hit him with my right hand and found myself in front of the headmaster, Phillips. Are you in relation to Laurie Phillips? I said, yes, that's my brother. He was three years older than me. You're not as clever. I said, no, but I'm better looking. He said, Phillips, I hear you hit Bullock. And I said, yes, sir. And if he does it again, I'll hit him again. Well done, lad. End of the first week, singing lessons. Phillips, Yes, Mr. Sleep, you're the only boy in tune. Get out. So I went to the, where they do woodwork and metalwork. And the headmaster said, Phillips, what are you doing here? I said, Mr. Sleep sent me to tell me I couldn't sing. I was the only one in tune. I still can't sing in tune. <laughs> yes, I was very interested in cross-country running at school. I represented the school at county level for cross-countrying. We played football and cricket at school. I was interested in the garden, the allotment in there, and helped dig the outdoor swimming pool there. And I left school at 13 years and 11 months because my birthday was on the 9th of January and school didn't go back to the 11th of January. Had I been two days older, I would have had one extra year at school because they had to go to school to 15. And then I went as an apprentice, um, farrier, blacksmith. Part of that training sent me to Yeovil Art and Technical School two months of the year, a month at a time. And the first morning that the apprentices were in the classroom. Those interested to become farriers fall out. There were 20 of us, two. The rest wanted to learn all about combine harvesters, tractors, so they went on to do agricultural engineering. The top man in the country came down next week from Colchester in Essex. And there's us two for a month. Where the hospital is in Yeovil was where the school, down in Market Street is where the engineering shop was, where the fire station was, is, was then, was our blacksmith shop. And when I was told I could go into the household cavalry, 
he gave me a reference to go in to the Hessel Cavalry. My regiment realised that I had been fully trained and I asked if I could go to a show to take my registration. You're not allowed to take it until you're 21. I was sent to Thame in Oxfordshire and I passed to become the youngest ever registered farrier. My governor didn't get his until he was 44. And it was incredible. The regiment had never ever, the all the shop show where all farriers congregate for the national championship. My regiment had never ever won it. I won it for them. And the cup was about that high, and I was allowed to go into the officer's mess and place it on the table. And yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed my life. And then coming out. But if oh, just, right, yeah. right. So if I just go back, because because again, I'm interested in this idea of play yeah. of of you. So I mean, so born in '33. So when you were about ten and twelve, yeah. the war was on. Yeah. So what was a sense of, so you'd leave school in, in say, the evening or, 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 say, weekends. What sort of activities would you get up to? Play football in the street. Okay. Um, go on walks with my father round Dorchester. Um, my father was interested in the football club, so on Saturday afternoon he used to take me to football. <laughs> and then... <laughs> One day I got home, Dad hadn't gone to football, and uh, out of the team got on, told him. Following week, he gave me my sixpence to get in. When I got home, he said, what's that? He said, I want the sixpence. You were sat on Knott's Woodyard behind the goal watching the game. And that, that's what really got me interested in the football club. Um, I came out of the household cavalry. Yeah, right. Oh. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. yeah. staying stay in the odds. In your... So yeah. when you say playing football in the street, I mean, where and who would you play with? Right. Playing Lawn Road, which is in the middle of Victoria Park. And we played Cambridge Road the next turn. Oh, hang on a minute. We're not on play. So on Sunday morning, after Sunday school, we used to go to Poundbury, and you know the amphitheatre like that, we used to play different roads. Okay. So 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 you were just, so the, the, the road, the, the, the kids that live in that road were just form yeah, an ad we, we formed our own team and played other, other roads. And did you have goalposts and proper... Two coats. Two coats at each end. <laughs> So how would you decide, I was interested in that, how would you decide, like if the ball went over the coat, how would you decide if the ball went in the goal or not? Well, it had to go between the two coats. Hmm, but there would be a, bit, the... there'd be a bit of discussion, I would, ima I would imagine, if it was a bit... Oh, uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, normally shoot in the middle of the goal so it didn't touch the coat. So it was obvious. <laughs> oh, gosh. Because there, uh, be there wouldn't be a referee, I suppose, would there? Well, there are no referees in that day, no. No. And and would there be eleven kids on each side or Yes. Yeah. 
Well, sometimes it got more than that because people joined in, didn't they? Mm. We didn't mind. It was, it was great, great fun. And, and was all, was all your was were you all the did you play with children the same age or was? Different oh, ages? it was mixed. It was mixed. You always get some little youngster who could dribble a ball better than you. You help him out of the way. Um, and how would like you decide like who's in goal and who's who's a defender? Oh, you put you put the biggest bloke in goal because he couldn't run so fast. <laughs> oh, incredible! When I think back of that, it, it, we had so much fun. Um, yes, it was. You wouldn't do it today, but we were allowed to wander the streets. It was safe. We never had any trouble. Yes, you always got one one boy who might get into trouble. In Dorchester, on the way to school, everybody walked on the right-hand side of High West Street. Because where Baines Draper Shop is now was Fairs the Grocers. And he used to put 300 weights of broken biscuits. So what did we do with our right hand? Biscuits. While I was at school, one boy of many came before the court for nicking sweets in Woolworths. And so Alderman Rossiter said, right, no more. To the bloke from Woolworths, you put glass in front of your street, of your sweets. And that's how glass in front of sweets arrived started in Dorsha by Alderman Rossiter. Oh, okay, so those little glass, just about yeah. like a couple of, yeah. About. yeah. Uh, okay. Because <laughs> when, when did Woolworths come into the town? Was that, was oh, that Woolworths there? were already here before the war right. and Marks and Spencers. Yeah. So, so, so you, you would practice amongst your kids, amongst your friends in the street, your football. Yeah. Play in the street and then... Well, and cricket. Right. Well, and cricket used to... <laughs> I remember there was a guy who made a block of wood and stuck three stumps in and we played cricket. Yeah, if the ball went into the neighbor neighbor's gut, there was no argument. The neighbor would run out and pick the ball up and toss it back to us. We, we never got into trouble, no, no. And the neighbours wouldn't get annoyed with you? And no, 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 I never know, known a neighbour get a put. Yes, the football used to go in the gardens. And there was a guy who grew dahlias and he said, be very careful, my flowers. <laughs> yes, we were. Let's move down away from his flowers. So you pick the coats up and move down. <laughs> oh, dear. And where would you get things like football from? Who would? Well, it, it, if... The school had a football. Um, I, I suppose many more than one, but most of the roads there was always somebody who would produce a football for you. Ours were fortunate. Number at number thirty-seven was a Mr. Reg Stanfield, who was chairman of the British Legion. And he wanted the youngsters to play. And he, he had a son. No, he had two sons. Who, who uh, And a football arrived. So that's number 37 of? Lawn Road. 
And and the cricket bat and, th- and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, 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 they were bought or made? No, they were made. Piece of wood. Just a straight piece of 4 by 2 with a handle cut out. Oh, when you when you think back, what's happened in our lifetime? Incredible. Because because those sort of things were either we, not available to uh, buy or expensive. No, and we played with a tennis ball. We didn't play with a cricket ball. Mm. <laughs> right. What else have you? Go got? on. So so you played so because because so football and cricket have been big things in your life. Yes. So you played that throughout your childhood, really. Yeah. And yeah. that was probably the big thing that you did. Yes, they were the two big things that I did. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, during the Blackberry season, we were sent out by my father to pick blackberries and sheep fare. We were sent with a bag to pick up the droppings of the sheep so it was manure for his allotment. <laughs> so, did, so did you help out with the sheep at all? The sheep fell or it was just purely no, picking no, the droppings? No, 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 pick it up when they'd gone, when they were sold, you'd pick up the droppings so as he had them on his allotment. Yeah. You, so you didn't, you didn't used to help the shepherd and... No, no, no. Because no. it used to be a big sheep farm, didn't it, up, up in the market? Oh, my, the big sheep fair at the market, they used to drive them through the town. We, you used to watch them drive the sheep through the town. Oh, it must have been amazing, like, yeah, like all these herds of but sheep you, coming you in. You see, I can remember as a very young, was it before I was apprentice, or certainly about the same time, on quarter day, they would meet in North Square, the shepherd would hold his crook, the driver of horses would hold his whip, showing that he needed a job, and the boss man used to come and hire him. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> no unions in them days. Well, that yeah, that way of of hiring people. Yeah. Um. So you had you had some brother brothers. Did you have brothers? Yes, I had an elder brother. So was he ever obliged to look after you? I think I was also dominant, and I looked after him. I think, but no, no, yes, of course he was. So your, your parents yeah, but he some... was never interested in the same things as I. All he wanted to do was dig father's, ever since he was that high, dig father's allotment. And when he was old enough, he actually became the national dahlia champion in London. He grew dahlias. Now, my father said to us, you are going to be an apprentice. Well, he went to woodwork. Nowhere. Nowhere was I going anywhere near wood. I went to metal. And he joined the army and unfortunately got caught TB. He spent part of his life as a signalman apprentice on the railway and then joined the building firm that built this house. And my father said to both of us, put your money into bricks and mortar. Father had a council house because he moved from London to build this county hall, so he had a council house. I was very fortunate that when I married, the forge 
the rent of the forge went to Holy Trinity um, Church for the fabrication of the church and next door was a house. So the boss moved out and we moved in. It didn't have a bathroom. I soon put that right. Put a bathroom in, picked up the newspaper in, in the hallway, tiled it and done everything. And then one day I'm in the forge and the builder came in and his firm was where weight rows are now, Slades. Leslie, can I have 25 manual steps? Yes. Two days? Yes. I said, what are you going to do with them? He said, I'm going to build on Sandy's farm here. Of course, I said, I'd be interested. Right, go up to Jeff's. So my wife, who taught maths and art at the prep school in Ison Way. So, took me cap off, stuck them in my arm, went into to the house agent. Yes? I said, Mr. Alderman's told me that you're going to build in Sandy's farm. Can you, pardon? Can I afford it? Put me cap back on, walked out. That evening, Peter Jeffs came down, rung the bell next door to the forge, Hello, Vonty. Leslie walked out. Pardon? Leslie walked out of our shop. Don't be daft. He never goes shopping anywhere. He doesn't like shop. He did. Oh, he's next door. There was 24-inch wall between the forge and the house. I'm making next week's shoes. And uh, Peter said, you walked out? I said, yes, and I'm not walking back in. You better show Vonty. So he unrolled it. Half the road. Next door he had sold, plot 19. So Vonty said, oh, hang on, set facing, long from the river, we'll go next door. I said, right, give him 10%. I said, pardon, I don't want all that. I said, give him 10%. And so we came here and we used to come down and watch every brick being built on a Sunday with our daughter in the pram Oh, Leslie, um, Mr. Alderman here, can I can I fix the next um, house they want to move in before you? Didn't, mine was drying out, wasn't it? I built this for 3850 It's now worth a quarter of a million. I don't want, I don't no, want it. It's ridiculous, isn't it? What year was that then that it was built? 1965. No, ridiculous. It is a ridiculous the price of property nowadays. One, young people. Hmm never going to get the foot on the bottom rung of the ladder mm. don't know how they're going to do it mm. no i totally agree um so so the other hobby the other um hobby you mentioned when you were young is is, is taking walks with your father around dorchester yes yes we lived in lawn road mm. so we could easily walk to maiden castle we could easily walk into the town but his favorite walk was walking along the Bridport Road, which today is Poundbury. That was his favourite walk, because the tree trees were lined on both sides of the road. And we get there to the turning to Martinstown and then come back via go turn into Martinstown and come back across the bottom of uh, of Maiden Castle. Oh, that's nice. So it was like a Sunday walk? It was a Sunday walk, yeah. And was, and was that the sort of thing you what you do after church? After Sunday school, yeah. 
Or church. Yeah. Yeah. And, and would that be a family walk? Would your brothers go with yeah, you? No, my brother would go with me. Yeah. yeah. And my stepmother. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're predominantly so. So after school, you'd be like kicking a football around, kicking or, a football or around, playing cricket in we, the street. We didn't have homework in my days. No. <laughs> and and then a Saturday would maybe be a big concert in the amphitheatre at Poundbury. Oh, Mornbury Rings, that was great because you could sit there and watch the. Yeah, yeah. No, so that was a, that was a, that was a big football. Oh, football, yeah. Tremendous, yeah. Didn't cost him, did it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> free, free entry. Yeah. So, so the, at that time, the council wouldn't lay on things like. Oh well, no, no. This, the, the laying on of the council mm. has only been. I better get my figures right. That all started when Dennis Holmes came from Chesterfield. Now he wasn't interested in football. He liked rugby and, and music. That was his big thing. And Dennis Holmes started all those musical things. Every week. I mean, the Dunaveria band play in the Borough Gardens once a month. And they allow me to shake my tin there. But yeah, no, Mul 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 Mulberry Rings is a good amphitheatre type oh, space, isn't it, to play? Yes. Tremendous, yeah. No, great... And fo fo football, when we were young, mm -hmm. there was a team called Mulberry Rings. And we'd have a knockout, so one of the roads up in the park could play there. And we played there once or twice, I remember. But we, the, the, what happened in those days, they used to bring net, four netball posts down, so we had a goal. goal. Ah, so you almost have a proper, proper oh, goal. Yeah. Getting I had a referee in those in, in. Oh, right, so you're getting, you're getting a bit more professional and established. Um, if the weather wasn't very nice, would you play games inside the house? Yes, I played as a family and friends used to come in. We used to play Snakes and Ladders and Ludo. They were the two things. Some of the posher people played, played chess. I never found out that job. Uh, but what about card games? Would the yeah, oh yes, with, with half, with farthings. We used to play for farthings. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what sort of games was that? Sevens. Oh. It's the only one I know. <laughs> um, it's obviously the days before TV, but did you have a radio or crystal set in the house? Right, let me talk about, right, right. radio, yes. We had an accumulator that drove the radio before we had radio relay now that was put into your house in the corner talking about tv living next door to us was a mr butcher who had an antique shop facing the fire station in trinity street and he was the first person that had a television set it had a magnifying glass on the front of it and we were allowed to go as children, the two of us, to watch television next door. <laughs> Posh people. <laughs> yeah. And, and what sort of what sort of programmes were on in those days then? Well, it was the sport boxing. Boxing was on, and that interested me. And football, and uh, uh, what was the, there were children's programmes. Um, 
animals and that mm. that she used to invite us in on a Saturday morning. Incredible. And when you say accumulator, what do you mean by? Well, it, it was driven by an accumulator. It, it, it was an acid battery and you had to have it recharged. You took it down to the shop and recharged your accumulator. Okay, so it's just like a battery that you would take, yeah. you would take what, into town somewhere? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was in Lawn Road, because Radio Relay would be on, and then everybody could then, got, got really posh, could Radio Relay to all the houses. I'm sorry, I don't understand, yeah, Radio Relay, I don't... Yeah, it, it was a, a, a transmission station to all the houses in the Dorshire area. Okay, okay. Yeah. So it's a very localised. It was yes, localised. Yeah. In fact, the guy who was president of the football club worked for the re the radio relay. That's how we got to know each other. Yeah. But yes, again, that's one of those things that's changed, isn't it? The idea that you would have a big battery yeah. that you would because because well, days before electricity, well, really. If you come to this house. Madam likes soaps. I hate that. I never watch mine. But out in there is classic FM. It's always on. Get up in the morning. I've got, uh, I expect my CDs are about that high that I play up into my bedroom. But no, I mean, it, her, her car is either on BBC4 or Classic FM. Mine's on Classic FM all the week until I'm uh, coming home from my football match and I got the scores. <laughs> um, I mean, th what about things like reading? Was that ever part of your hobby life? I only read things that I'm interested in. But as a boy, did you read like adventure books or was that? Well, no, it was the days of comics. If you were posh, you had film fun, but if you were a working person, you had a beano or a dandy, and you swapped it with each other. That, was, that, that, that I think, was my reading material, comics. So there'd be a little group of you at school, and no, you'd, you'd, you'd swap share. Yeah, yeah. As long as, you, long as you didn't read it in school, but if you lifted the lid, it was there to short. Oh dear. And did you have a favourite character in those books, in those comics? No, not really. No, I don't think I did. You just enjoyed reading them? Just enjoyed the reading the comic, yeah. Especially the sport page of it. Um, how would you get the money to buy things like comic? Most boys had an echo round or a morning paper round and we earned a few pennies. You know what happens if you were paid a wage, you wanted to give mum and dad a bit of money and you had a few pennies in your pocket. Money's never meant anything for me. So did you have a have a, have a job at the time? That were, uh, yes, I used to get up at six o'clock in the morning, walk down the bottom of, of Lawn Road to where Mary Road is and put up the rounds for the, for the children to come in and take. Put, sorry, put up the rounds? Yeah, well... Right, Benny Smith, he's going to do Cambridge, Lawn and Marry. So you put all his papers up and, and mark them off with the address on it. Number 7, 15, 21. Right. <laughs> um, 
did you ever take i mean were there, were there things like organized at like scouts or yes in the town there were scouts guides boys brigade which are still strong in this town today and you might have heard of a man called harold swain who was a headmaster and also a teacher at the modern school but he lived two doors from me he was a very famous man he flew with the dam busters 28 times over germany and during lunch one day at rowan cottage brian bates was talking to him and produced a book all about him about a year after the book and i've got copy number one signed by harold they found his pilot in america and his pilot and his wife and one daughter the part the husband and wife stayed at number 13 and his daughter stayed here that flew all 28 times with him he was a gunner and last a fortnight on friday his funeral was in st peter's church and my vicar vicky said would i speak about harold well that was a great honor and there wasn't a seat left in the church and it happened a fortnight earlier when colin lucas ymca head of old hardian society chairman of the band i had to address the congregation there wasn't one seat left in our church the great honor to do these sort of things and i just love doing them but did, did you ever belong to the scouts or the or boys brigade i belonged to the boys brigade but when you were younger i only stayed a year because i i, I wasn't interested in a uniform i really i really wanted to take an active part in sport and that that's where I, that took me so because your time was so that says you wouldn't have the time no no i did a year in the boys brigade um, but there i i was saying in the address in the church on on boys brigade week he used to drive a little blue three-wheeler he pog his horn because when he came out of the RAF, he played cricket for my cricket team and then caught polio. And I wasn't allowed to go to Weymouth to see him because he was in an isolation ward. He pog his horn and I, on Sunday morning after church, would be the first £10 on Boys Brigade card. But he collected newspapers. When his blue three-wheeler went, I got the job. My van is full of newspapers and they're shred for animal bedding. And all the money goes to the boys' brigade. So I've still got an interest in the brigade. So, yeah, okay. Um, what about break times at school? What sort of, would you play games? Oh, yes. Out with a football or a cricket. Oh, that, that, that. Didn't man about putting the, the third of a pint of milk went down faster than ever so you could get out there and, and play and it would be about 50 on a side in there oh, oh incredible and was that the, was that the days where people would line up and you'd have a captain and you start choosing yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I'd imagine that you were probably the captain of the football team. No, I was never captain of the football team. It never worried me. I was always, oh, we'll have him because he, he'll stay in the middle. He can head a ball. So I was centre forward. Um, so so again, when we when we come on to you, I mean, I mean, obviously, then also, I mean, the other thing that's interesting about Dorchester at that time, yeah, go on, is that you're surrounded by countryside. Yes. So would would you? Yes. Well, Dorchester, the whole of Dorchester was circled in the Duchy of Cornwall estates, four farms: hmm. Poundbury, Middle Farm. Maidencastle Farm and down in Fordington St George Farm. So would you and your friends in the summertime, would you go out in the countryside and play outside? Yes, and then get into trouble when you get home because what do we do? Go on, give us a bunk up. There's a horse in the field. You had, you had white pants when you got home. You've been riding a horse. Why did you get white? Why did you get white? Well, because the grease come out of the horse, didn't it? On the attraction. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So so could you just get on go onto the farms quite freely? Yes, yes, we could walk any farm. Yep. Poundbury Farm, whereas the middle of Prince Charles's development was Mr. Harry Childs. Very religious man, used to go to my church. And then in Sunday afternoon, Dad will walk up Bridport Road. And we'd go in to see the farm. And if they were milking the cows, Mr. Charles would come out and talk. And yes, he got to know me. When he heard that my governor was going to retire, he was a sidesman at my church. He came round to the forge and he said, Leslie, there is money in the drawer up there if you want any money to start your business because I want you to shoe my horses. I never needed his money, but I shot his horses. We were very fortunate with the farmers in Dorchester would encourage children to walk the farm, but we were talk to, educated you could call it, to keep to the path and respect animals. Well, it's a great thing. Yes, because that, that's, that's, that's a different, because it's interesting, I, inter I interviewed a gentleman the other day um, who was talking a bit about this, uh, this openness to roam farms yeah and nowadays it's sort of like it's quite restricted in that you have to sort of like there's public footpaths yeah and there's a lot of private property yeah. and, that, and that's uh, i mean we i can honestly say we could walk in the middle of the field we could walk past animals um and i don't think ever i can not to my knowledge was ever told you can't go there the farmer would be out in the middle and he said, hello lads, and we go and talk to the oh, great, who did you talk to today? Talk to Mr. Hooper, or Mr. Childs. Mr. Hooper ran the middle farm and also the Maiden Castle farm. I've got a wonderful photograph of Mr. Hooper with the queen with his favorite bull. 
I've collected so many photographs at Dorchester when the Queen comes. They mean so much, and people ring up about 15 months ago. Yeah, telephone rang one morning. This is the Dorset History Centre, Leslie. I've been to the town council and they haven't got anything. The Queen's Diamond Jubilee, we're putting an exhibition on and we're told you can help. I said, right, turn up Monday morning. Because I was on the coronation, we had six medals and 600 men on parade. The Colonel of the Lifeguards, the Colonel of the Blues, the doctor, the veterinary surgeon, and the armourer who polished all our cuirasses, swords and helmet, and Dolly Gray, who drew, who rode the drum horse with his feet because he was using his hands. They got the six medals. And Lord Charles Roundtree of Roundtree's Chocolate was my colonel, and he commissioned Wedgwood to make 750 1933 coronation mugs and at the bottom upside down 151 my army number stroke 750 in gold paint which tells me that they that is a, a commissioned unit i wrapped it up and don't look at the color of the hair i wrapped it up in the news chronicle and brought it home and i said to my father i'm going to collect them and he laughed at me. I've got 750 pieces. So the Monday morning came down, coronation, silver, golden, diamond jubilee. A hundred mugs, plates. His eyes were, he said, Leg, can I borrow all of them? I said, yes. So Bonte and I were invited to the evening and the Lord Lieutenant, Mrs. Pitt Rivers said, and there were 150 people up there. She said, ladies and gentlemen, if it wasn't for Leslie Phillips, known to you all, and that was her words, this wouldn't have happened. A hundred pieces of china from Leslie's collection of 750 pieces. I've got one I've ordered for the new prince. That will be another one in my collection. What am I going to do with them? I don't know. I, I'm trying to get Mr. Munden, that's his name, in the museum, yeah, yeah. to come and look at them. I've got to find a home for them one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Storage is improved. But, but to come back to, back, yeah, back to this cool. idea of how you used to roam freely as a mm. child. Yeah. Um, and and the, other, the other interesting thing is, is so you'd go off at breakfast and you'd say, bye-bye, Mum. And, you'd come and back she at... wouldn't worry. We never, I don't think my mother ever locked the back door in those days, mm. but our shoes or our boots were put at the back door. We never went indoors with the shoes on. But you'd go off all day. I mean, this is a... Yeah. Yeah. So the perception of that time is you'd go off well, with, with a sandwich and a... No, you no, never took a sandwich. No. Where'd I go? Down to Collop Street to watch my governor, the sparks flying out of the forge. And 
yeah. even as a child then you'll be going down yeah, yeah. the headmaster of my junior school made a mistake as I called it he joined the council and I'm mayor in 73 and he got up a sec I said that'll do you've spoken once he said you enjoyed that Leslie didn't you I said yes I did sir Oh dear. So what would you do in the countryside so so when you'd go out walking? Well we you get a piece of grass, put it between your fingers and blow and no a, a music noise. You, you yeah, you pick up things, bit pick up a stick and walk with it. We but we never we never vandalized anything. We didn't we didn't I mean we look as youngsters that was people's property, so you don't touch that. And that's how, how I was brought up. Uh, did you used to build things like dens? Um, yes. Um, that that also, you found that ro different roads would do it. Up, up, uh, climb up a tree and do it. Yeah. And things like that, things, did you make things like bows and arrows? Oh, made bows and, oh yeah, too true. Bows and arrows and catapults. <laughs> Get a piece of wood like that and put the last. <laughs> yeah, but but you didn't aim it to hurt anybody or hurt anybody's property. Where would you get? And it was like every year, conkers. And that was between roads. You play conkers. Now they banned the darn things because they're dangerous now. No, no, they haven't. No, no, they were, saying, they were saying on telly the other day the headmaster was trying to encourage. Yeah, I know. To... Yeah, but they did a few years ago ban yeah. them. But no, and funny thing, when Magna, when we took over at Magna, mm. we ch we challenged the county council to conquer outside county hall. <laughs> what well, what were the rules? I mean, did they have any rules with conquers? To no, there were no rules. Well, I say no rules. There was a story that some of the lads would bake there, so they were harder. Now, whether that was right or wrong, I don't know. I've never, I've never heard anybody admit that they actually did that. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> so, so the idea is that with conkers, you should hold it up and and do that, and then and break break your mates, mm. and then you won, and oh well, we'll challenge you. And it, it was all good fun as youngsters. And and with um, the elastic in a catapult, where would you get that from? Um, if if you were very careful, you could nick a piece out of your mother's needlework box. Or there was a, a shop in Dorchester called, now I got it, yeah, Miles the Saddler, right facing the county hall, which is being done up next door to the nails in Highway Street. They sold elastic that you could tie on both ends of your catapult and, and put a piece of leather and put the, I, I do know that some of the lads even put ball bearings in there, but we didn't. And Another thing that we did as youngsters, and we do this on the way to school, we played marbles. Marbles were a big thing. You had a no, you could buy them made of clay or glass, and then if you were very rich, you could buy an alley, which was a big one. 
but then sometimes they went down the drain when you were playing on the way to school. So, you, so you'd be playing this in the roads again? Yeah, in the road, yeah. And I suppose... Well, you didn't have cars like we got today. I mean, I, I can remember the very first, virtually the very first car in Dorsha as a, as a little nipper. And what year and what, what sort of car was that then? Well, I can't remember the name of the car, but the man lived in Ison Way who had the car. Um, and, and then, of course, you saw cars coming and mm. coming. And look what it is today, talking about traffic plans. Mm. Um, marbles. What, what Could you explain the game and the rules of how to play marbles? Yes, right. If you hit your mate's marble, then you picked it up. So just you just had to touch it? Yeah, yeah, and that was yours. And then he had to bring another one out of his pocket to play. Yeah. Because <laughs> cause I, I remember it that you would um, you'd have like a circle. Ah, uh, well, yeah, that's posh marbles, that was. Mm. <laughs> and you had to knock it out of the yeah, circle. Yeah, that's right. That's posh yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, and that. another gentleman told me he, he remember playing it with, it's like had, had arches in a cardboard and cut it out and you had to almost get it through yeah, the hole. Yeah, yeah. I'd see, I, I never played it, but I saw it played in Dorchester. Okay. Yeah, that, and I'd never heard of that one. Yeah, so that was it. And then you had the, yeah, the the man, the boy behind the marbles would be like a banker. And if you yeah. if you missed, didn't get it, he got your marbles, you got it through. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, that, and then obviously things like marbles would be another game you might play at school. Would that be allowed? Oh, yes. And oh, you play, play marbles in the playground. And conquers, would you play conquers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was encouraged to do it. Right. Yeah. So, so your teachers would encourage. And of course, when I was in Colton Street, we went to Holy Trinity, because boys, it it was a church school, and we were encouraged to go to Sunday school or to church. Yeah. <laughs> so, but on but on becoming fourteen. There's this thing you didn't have teenagehood, you stop being a child and you become an adult and you and you got well, a job. I did, well, thirteen year eleven months mm. apprenticeship, three nights, I had to go to Weymouth Weymouth Art and um, Weymouth College to in, try to increase my education, so I didn't get into trouble, and uh, the police the policeman would walk in the forge because it was a fire, he could warm his hands. The policeman would walk in there and the sergeant would walk out that way. They all knew the governor. Oh, what, Where was the forge, sorry? Colton Street. Okay. Backed on to the prison wall. And where the wedding gown shop is in High East Street, used to be Virgin's the Baker. And if you wanted a policeman at three o'clock in the morning, he was in Virgin the Baker getting warm. Yeah. But the police had a choir, which they still got, but they had a cricket team. And if you got caught up an apple tree, the policeman would be down the bottom. Come down. Hang on a minute. And Bill Hitchman was a famous policeman. Um, no, I don't think he ever nipped a, a lad behind the ear, but I well remember bowling him first ball at Charminster 
And he said, you enjoyed that, Leslie? I said, yes, I did. Yes, because because those were the days that the policeman would just cuff you around the back of the head and tell right, you to yeah, to yeah, yeah. But I, I I never got that, um, because I knew darn well that if I got into trouble, the policeman would just go and tell father. And I well remember coming home one day from school, and said that the teacher clipped my ear, and he said, right, which one? I said that one, and one the other side to keep it company. So I made sure I didn't go home telling any stories after that one, did I? Um, what about the cinema? I mean, there was... Yes, there were two cinemas, the plaza and the palace. And there was a, a gentleman in Dorshu who had an antique shop called Mr. Leg. And he would say, if you see my son, tell him I've gone up top and after the film I'm going down bottom. So that were the two cinemas. So the plaza was the top one, was it? The plaza was in Trinity Street, where it is now. And the palace is on the corner of Ison Way and Durngate Street. Yeah. And, and did, so did you used to go to the cinema? So did you used to go? Yes, I went to the cinema, yes, and saw films. Um, not a great um, cinema going, but I did go um, in London when the coronation was on, so as I could see myself standing outside the Abbey. Um, so you didn't used to go to Saturday morning pictures? No, 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 Saturday morning football. God, can't go to pictures in there. I thought, was, I thought football was on a Saturday afternoon. Oh, yeah, but you played football Saturday morning. And of course, the grammar school boys had to go to school on Saturday morning. <laughs> so, that, so you were quite relieved not to pass your 11 plus? Well, we were very fortunate, Dorsha. At St George's Church was the Reverend Jessop, whose father was the famous Croucher Jessop of Gloucestershire in England cricket. And you could only play in St George's cricket team if you could sing. That ruled me out. But Croucher's son, the Reverend Jessop, had it not been the war, would have played for England. And I, when I gave up cricket, I wasn't very good at it. I took up for 25 years umpiring. And one Tuesday night, at the football end of the recreation ground, he used to hit the ball straight into the cemetery, and there was a ladder for us boys to get over. And I was umpiring one Tuesday night, when King, at the other end, scored a single, and the reverend gentleman had a hundred. And the following year, I'm umpiring where Prince Charles's village is now, at Poundbury Farm, where the farmer had his own cricket team. Evening, vicar. Good evening, Harry. It's dad's birthday. I'd better have a hundred. And he had a hundred and one not out in 20 overs. And the man who found the football for us, lived in Lawn Road, Mr. Stanfield. He was the head of the umpire. So of course he didn't drive. And when I got my car and drove, he'd ring up or come in the forge. Where are you going tonight? Oh, take me to Broadmain or take me to Lytton Cheney. And I used to drive the umpire and I'd umpire as well. I just thoroughly enjoyed my life. Um, um, but 
I'm just trying. I'm trying to think about. So, so, but as a young working man now, you wouldn't have had much free time because you're working. Well, we worked, and then and we, then you went to evening classes. Yeah, we worked from seven in the morning to five. I catch the three the three nights. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, down the technical school to try and in, improve my education. Yes, if I was honest with you, I would say possibly I ought to have spent more time at school instead of in, in the metal work room where Mr. Bonfield, who taught um, carpentry, kept law and order with a piece of 4B2. But then, no, no, my young life, my schooling and my army career, I thoroughly enjoyed it. No, I didn't get into trouble. I tried to keep out of that. But um, I'm just trying to think about how. So, 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 when you started working, did you stop playing football and cricket? No, 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 no. Week, weekends, if you, you know, after church on a Sunday, if, if there was a, if you knew there was a football match on, you get involved and go. So Saturdays and, and Sundays, yeah, yeah well, you'd still. Yeah, we were encouraged to go to church or yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as I look back on the way in which I was brought up, I was a very fortunate man. Yes, I knew right from wrong, and that's the most important thing in life. And even my father, who encouraged us to help, if, if there was somebody needed their garden, my brother would go and look after their garden. If, if the old lady down the road wanted her dog walk, well, you go and walk her dog. You know, you were, you were kept busy, so you didn't have time to get into mischief. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, after, after leaving National Service and moving back to Dorchester... Well, it was... Well, I didn't do National Service. Uh, I, I signed for a three-year engagement. Uh, yeah, go on. Okay. Oh, that's okay. So... But after that, so, you, so you've done that and you come back to um, Dorchester. Again, how, you're, and you're growing up, how, how is your free time changing? You're, you're, you're Helping the football club. Okay. Selling pro. Come out of the army on the Monday. Saturday, sixpence. Went in the football ground. And the national secretary of the Football Supporters Club was chairman of Dorchester, a man called Jack Lambert. Hello, Leslie, what are you doing? So I've just finished my army seat. Can you sell programme? I said, yeah, better than you. Give me 50. I went back with... He said, you sold them? How'd you do? I said, open me mouth. They made me, they made me chairman of the supporters club. I was the first chairman in England to put a mini car on the centre spot and run a 400 club. What today is national, the first football queen of England was held in the Corn Exchange, Dorchester. And I, for 20 years, was chairman of the supporters club, but I always wanted to get on the council. So I gave up that to say, right, well, I'm going to look after the council. And last year, because I still go to football, go through the entrance and sit down. They give me my program, and then I wait for my team sheet, and then I bloke said, oh, I better go now, it's 20 past two. I said, give me that draw book. And I said, oh, 
two for a pound, two for a pound. But Leslie, our income's gone up there. I said, well, this bloke knows how to sell draw tickets. <laughs> yeah, and no, I thoroughly enjoyed my bit. And the football club, was that always based where it is now? No, no. The football club was where Tesco's are, and Prince Charles moved us down and built the stadium for us. Okay. Yeah. So in exchange for him for having that, yeah, because Prince Charles owns that land there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 So yeah, so it's next door, and that cricket, the the, the leisure facilities, uh, the, the cricket, and that. When was that? When was that? Well, that it's always been a cricket ground. Okay. They thought about taking the cricket ground and building. A, an extension to the cemetery. No. So that's why the cemetery's at Pambury. Yeah. Um, um, what about things like the theatre and uh, the pub? I mean, were these ever part of your... I've been in every pub in Dorchester and never had a sip of beer. I've had a cup of coffee in every pub in Dorchester. <laughs> but, but you go there more for meetings than... than... Uh, no, fundraising. Joseph Weld, Christmas time. Little miniatures to hang on your Christmas tree, pound a piece. We go to every pub, have a cup of coffee. The other bloke with me wants a glass of beer. That didn't matter to me. I mean, people say, I was once told, if you don't go into a pub, you won't be mayor of Dorsha. I said, I've been in every pub in Dorsha. And, and, and still do. Hmm. <laughs> Why not? I walk, I walk into a pub. The fam famous one was in the Phoenix in Princess Street. It's pulled down now. I said to the landlord, do you value your license? He said, yes, Leslie. I said, well, that boy's a member of my youth club and he's underage. Oh, he said, Leslie, you know everything, don't you? I said, well, hang on a minute. I know all my youngsters. Even now, whilst I'm not anything to do with the youth club now, we drive through town, because bon Bonty drives now, I only drive in Dorchester. I go to Charlton down to watch my cricket now, because Dorchester have let the man go who built the pavilion. He built the score box and got the nets to Dorchester, and they've let him go to Charlton down. So I go to Charlton down, and there's the Charlton Down Cup waiting for the engraving to be put on it. And he said, let, I said, don't tell me what I can do. And a 15 year old won that this year. What's the, what's the cut, cut? Cricket. What, what, what's it for though? The, the highest runs? Or? Yeah, no, no, I don't agree with that. Anybody can score a lot of runs and take a lot. The clubman of the year. The person who's put so much into it and a 15-year-old, and he came up here because we presented it on the night, but on the front it's got to have a, a silver plate with his name on it, and that's what I'm waiting for the man to come and pick up from me. And uh, but, he's, but he said, Leslie, this is Division 6. Well, I said, Dorsey, Division 1. Well, it was in those days. And I said, no, I'm coming out here to watch youngsters grow. And he works for Edwards and keeping the accountants. So I know the the coach very, very well. And he said, 
But Leslie, you come out here every every other Saturday afternoon and watch cricket. Yes, I take a flask with me. Not that I need it because they want me to go to tea with them. And watch young people come through. Um, some of the lads that we've got in Charlton Down 11 will eventually be very, very good cricketers. And the great thing, and as I said to him at the presentation, I sit there and I've never heard one bad word from youngsters. Now that means an awful lot. That means that he has got them to work as a team. Um, so, as you were talking a bit before, before I was re recording really, is I'm very interested in this division then between what a lot of people consider work, the fact that you're chairman of, of the things like the yeah, well, swimming baths and the, and the council yeah, well, all, work. Yeah, all these things, such as the disabled, such as the stroke club, mm. um, many of these organisations have increased since I retired because I got more time to give. Mm. As I said to you earlier, family mean an awful lot to me. My grandson, they're both up, my grandson and granddaughter are in the forest. My daughter is head of curriculum at the Fortune Centre in the middle of the forest with 46 children with learning difficulties and they stick them on top of a horse. Now, if they comb the horse's hair, they'll comb their own. Now, don't tell me why that, because I shall never understand. Now, my, my grandson came down here one day, and he is in Ringwood Upper in his last year. And I said to him, now you just, because the girls had gone out shopping, I said, you listen to me, young man. You work hard at school because you tell me you want to go to university. If he was here, I'd sit in front of him. He was an idle little toad at school. But like his grandfather, he was only interested in what he wanted to learn. Well, at the end of his um, schooling, he was offered five universities. He got a first. And he chose to go to Coventry to do advertising marketing. And I wondered why. His mother was working for Eldridge Pope. He likes a half a glass of beer. You're no good to the beer industry, Granddad. You don't drink. Came here one Sunday and they never leave the table without taking their plate out to the kitchen. They're brilliant, the two youngsters. Grandpa, can you find me some work experience? My friends have got to pay for theirs. That was Sunday, Friday. Chain round my neck. I've got to open the beer festival. And they gave me a half a pint of piddle ale. I put it down cut the ribbon to open the beer festival. I wasn't interested in what was in it. I was interested with the glass because he clacks them. That didn't matter. 
because they gave me a presentation box with a glass at each end and three bottles of piddle ale in the middle for him. So I said to the managing director over a cup of coffee, he says, no good giving you beer, Leslie, come and have a coffee. I said, do you do work experience? He said, no, Leslie. I said, oh, he said, why? I said, my grandson wants some work. I'll change the rules for you, bring him out. Took him out to Piddle Hinton. His mother drove, I went with him. He gave Alex over to the brewer and we went into the office and there was a picture big as that of me with this blooming half pint of piddle ale. He said to Alex after about a half an hour, Alexander, how are you going to get from Bransgore via Christchurch to Piddlehinton at eight o'clock in the morning? Oh, he said, don't worry about that. I got my own bedroom in Grandma's house. He hadn't passed his test. And the first year, they had one unit and they, they bought a, a double. So they gave him the job. He'd leave here half past seven to go there, sometimes eight o'clock at night. Black hands, bruises. And so he thought, right, well, I've got seven, I'm 17, I better take my driving test. He had six lessons, and on his sixth lesson, yeah, yeah, no. Police. They arrested his driving instructor, who is now in prison for molesting young children. But God forbid he never said anything un underward to Alexander. So that meant he didn't pass his test back to university. Second year, and at the end of the second year, two and a half thousand students, number one. So they invited the Purity Brewery, who sell their beer in Waitrose, to come and interview him in, in the university. And the reference that the Piddle Brewery gave him was the best I've ever written. And I've written a few dozens of the darn things for youngsters. They were so impressed with him, They, the following week, they said, right, come to the brewery. They interviewed him. Providing you pass your driving test, we'll offer you your gap year at 17,500 a year. So he came home, and in two weeks, he takes his test in the middle of Bournemouth, and that's not easy. Passed on the Monday, on the Sunday, his driving instructor picked him up and they drove from Christchurch to Chichester on the motorway and back. He would only look at a Vauxhall Corsair. Now, I didn't even know it. And that's what he wanted. They found one in Cardiff, Newcastle and Portsmouth. So Portsmouth they went and he's bought it. And he's driving. So right, sit down there. That's my chair, sorry. No, he would have sat there, I think. Right, you just listen to me, young man. Your driving lesson was the license, was the hardest thing to get it. And it's the easiest thing to lose. Don't drink and drive. Grandpa, I promise you, I won't. That meant a lot. 
but his youngest sister, who was 17 on the first of this month, she refuses to be second to anybody. Her blazer, there are so many badges on, I want them hardly sit. And she will go a hell of a long way. When she was 10 years of age, the headmaster said to my daughter, 380 pupils, and I've got to choose one to receive the Lady Diana Award. I'm choosing Anna. Why? She's not a prefect, she's a buddy. And I do not allow bullying in my playground. So she was awarded. She was invited to Wembley Stadium. And because she's the youngest in the country, all these students all over the country came. And she's got a picture on her laptop sitting between William and Harry. So she says to Harry, my father knows you. You're in my father's regiment, the Household Cavalry. They both are. So they got talking. Well, where do you come from? I come from Branscombe in the New Forest. But where does your grandfather? Dorchester. So up pumps William and said, Oh, that's where my father's got his bit. So Anna, my father, my father, my grandfather's met your father many times. What's his name? Leslie Phillips. And this is true as I sit here. He put his hand in his pocket and he said, tell him it's been to Afghanistan. His miniature shoe. And I'll show you in a moment a picture when you finish talking. Okay. Because I don't know what you would like to take. I I got many things that there are not. So 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 your family now. I mean I mean it's interesting. Like l listening to you talk about your free time because it's quite interesting. To say say hearing you talk about the chairmanship and, and the involvement of the council. I don't like. <laughs> I don't like time. I want mm. I want to put every effort into any organisation that needs help. But that's it. But it's quite interesting that you're choosing, in a way, you're choosing work to do as your as your leisure. Yeah, definitely. And that's, I feel like that's one of the possible changes in that generation that people don't do that quite so much nowadays. No, no, I agree with you there. But like public service was something that that, that people. Well, would it's all. It's all, it, Yes, it's. Well, you can't be a councillor. Um, and just be a cancer name. You've got to try and help people, and that's what it was all about. Mm. And that's where it's all spread from helping. Mm. Um, and the other big thing, like I say, is coming back to it's a bit. It's a bit like replicating your father's family walks. That family yep. is a big part of your other choice of your leisure. The family, yes, my family. Well, my my daughter and my granddaughter were here over the weekend because it was my wife's eighty-first birthday. And they always, and every year, my grandson said, "Well, we better go to Georgia. We can't leave Grandma and Grandpa on their own." And when he gets up from the table at Christmas, I book myself in for next year, <laughs> and he knows his grand, the other grandma, lives in the thatched cottage on Bockhampton Bridge. But I'm 
Fulci's grandfather at 81 fell out of a ladder painting and killed himself and it meant uh, it's upset the boy and do you know those two children what do they know what's Alexander he's 20 yes he's 20 and she's 17 we've got a van and a car no we're going to walk to Bockhampton to see Granny and they do so this year because Granny's on her own what are you going to do for Christmas well mum's coming to you we'll go there we'll go to Granny's on Christmas Eve and we'll go to see Granny on Boxing Day that means a lot to them and Jane said the other day well dad it's only they're only copying you you think the world of family well family means an awful lot um yes um and, and also walking it's nice to hear that they're walking they're, they're again they're replicating what you did as a boy yeah of walking out yeah, yeah. rather than jumping in a car well, they go over over the river walk and when they're at the bottom of london road they go i mean yeah well, he'll ring up can you come and pick me up? Yeah. Now he's got his car. We won't be able to do that. Cause but it's quite nice that that's replicating what you do as a boy. Yeah. That's yeah. passed down yeah. through yeah. your... You just try and pass it down to your family. Mm. Now, my, my daughter, at three years of age, went to the Dorset Ballet School, and at 52, she's still ballet dancing in New Milton, but because she's so clever with them, a sewing machine she makes the costumes for them like her just like her mother you know and her grandmother her grandmother my mother my late mother-in-law could walk if I stood up she could walk under there four foot eleven and a half fifty years cadet superintendent of the St John's Ambulance Brigade in Weymouth she should have been the person to go to the palace don't know about me so it's nice to hear that continuity because in, in the way that you're you know you're reproducing that like your mother-in-law yeah that 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 public yeah. service yeah 